So I've the theme for this episode is sort of law and some interesting laws or issues with law that have come up recently and things that, you know, you should be aware of how laws work and how the world works around you. The first one being a very interesting law. But the court, of the, this came from the court of the King's Bench, Saskatchewan. And Canadian law sounds cool. I mean, that, that actually, I'm sorry, the court of the King's Bench. I mean, the bench isn't the most exciting part, but you know, all, all the laws in Canada are still representative of the king, so that's interesting in itself. The court of the king's bench in Saskatchewan oversaw a dispute between a farmer and a grain buyer in 2021. That seems like a very mundane issue, Peter. Why are you bringing it up in seeming B? We'll, we'll get there, because there's a modern twist on this ancient ancient issue of farmers selling their grain to grain buyers and there being legal disputes. So this guy wanted to purchase 81 tons of flax. And then the farmer was like, here's an image of the contract. He sent it to his phone. So the guy looked at his phone, he saw the contract, and he sent a thumbs up emoji in response. The defendant said he sent this thumbs up emoji as a receipt of the image, not as an agreement to the contract. The farmer says the thumbs up emoji said that he agreed with the contract. The sender sent a picture and a text. <clears throat> the sender, the farmer, sent a picture and text asking for confirmation of the agreement. So he didn't just send an image of the contract and the guy sent a thumbs up. He said, here's an image of the contract. Do you agree to this contract? The buyer sent a thumbs up emoji. The court acknowledges that the thumbs up is a non-traditional means to sign an agreement. Under the circumstances, it is a valid interpretation, which means if someone sends you a contract in Canada, specifically Saskatchewan at the moment, and you send a thumbs up emoji as response, you are agreeing to the proposed contract held in that text message. In the past, though, there was precedent for this. So it wasn't just like a one-off thing. In past, the two, so the farmer and the grain buyer, had agreed to contracts and the, the buyer had posted, looks good, and yep. So the emoji being just sort of one step away from what he had sent previously was then considered an acceptance of the contract. But if you're accepting contracts with, yep, this is obviously something you do fairly regularly. It's obviously something you two have worked together before. So unless the contract had changed significantly, it, it seems weird that he would be dispute, uh, disputing this. So I'm assuming something else actually happened. The defense, though, they actually started talking about the precedent this would set, which is, again, the more interesting part of this court case. But the court, because he's like, you know, you could send an emoji and then the emoji has interpretations to it. And then once you've interpreted the emoji, now anything can be accepting a contract. I honestly don't think you should be sending contracts over text. I think you still should get a signature on it. But again, modern technology has made that maybe that's an antiquated way of thinking. So they're saying, like, you're going to open the floodgates for court cases now. The court was like, lol, 100 fire emoji, times change, fam. Uh, that's not exactly what they said, but that is the message they sent. They said, look, technology is changing the way we do interactions. Interactions, legally or not, have to be considered. So 
going forward, we have to take these communications as legally binding or not. And we are saying that these communications are legally binding. Some other interesting Canadian law specifically. Uh, back in May 2006, British Columbia introduced the Apology Act. And this was because Canadians naturally say sorry so quickly that people were starting to say, we've had a car accident. He said he was sorry. Therefore, that's an admission of guilt. That admission of guilt means he is now responsible for the accident. Now this, again, because this is sort of just a natural aspect of Canadian conversation and speech, they actually enacted a law saying that an apology does not constitute an admission of guilt and cannot be used as evidence to prove liability. So basically, you get into a car accident and then one of the guys goes, oh, sorry, eh? Oh, sorry, this happened. Oh, I'm so sorry. That doesn't mean he's saying he's responsible for the accident. He's saying he's sorry the accident happened. Maybe he's still saying you're responsible, but he's still sorry that this thing happened in itself. It is classified specifically as an expression of sympathy or regret, not guilt. Most provinces have since introduced similar laws. So if you say sorry after an accident, it cannot have any bearing on your case. So if you do get in an accident in Canada, you feel free to get out of your car and say sorry to the other driver, but you're not saying it's my fault. You're saying, I'm sorry, you're so stupid that you actually caused this accident. The insurance adjuster will not base their decision on what you say, either party, but on all available evidence. So they're going to go with CCTV. They're going to get witnesses. They're going to try to do other stuff. But what I say should not impact what the insurance adjuster thinks. And what you say should not impact what the insurance adjuster thinks as well. Another two, two other Canadian laws, which are very Canadian in, in, in sort of representing the way the country thinks. Uh, it is illegal to scare the king. So if I jump out, the king, let's say King Charles is in Canada, and I jump out of a closet and I go, boo, and, and he's surprised, that can get me up to 14 years in prison. So the fact is, yeah, uh, if you're in Canada and the king is there, don't scare the king. Be really careful because they take that really seriously, scaring the king. I guess there is a, a secondary thing, like Queen Elizabeth was so old when she died, and King Charles was quite old as he's taken the crown. A good scare could kill them, could give them a heart attack and kill them. So this could be some kind of regicide defensive act. So just scaring, murder aside, just scaring the king or queen in Canada can get you 14 years. If you then in turn scare them and they have a heart attack and die, you might be charged with regicide. I don't know what the, the, the time is for that. I'm going to assume it's a lot. I kind of messed up my, my, my middle bits. Anyways, uh, Another thing is illegal. I've actually read this online where the, the, someone gets a bill and they don't agree with the bill and they decide it's sort of a malicious compliance thing and they pay the, pill, the, they pay the bill in pennies, uh, thus wasting the person's time or it's incredibly heavy. Well, actually, there's a law in Canada saying you cannot do that. So it is illegal to make a purchase with too many coins. What are too many coins? Well, that has to be defined. So that was the interesting bit to me. In the law, this has been defined in Canada. 
you can pay with up to 25 pennies. 100 nickels, it's actually quite a lot of nickels, 40 quarters, 25 loonies, which is the $1 coin, 20 toonies, which is the $2 coin, in a single transaction. So you could annoy someone by paying them in these sums of money every single time you do a transaction with them and they can't say anything, but you can't go over this in a single transaction. Uh, there's no penalty, so there's no legal recourse, but the restaurant, the business, whatever, has the right to refuse service. They have the right to refuse the acceptance of these coins. And you go, well, this is legal tender. Well, tough shit, dipshit. You're actually kind of breaking a law. Again, it's a law that doesn't come with a punishment, but I can't be punished for refusing you service. So an interesting sidebar, we have right now the writer's strike in Hollywood is going on. So the writers and actors are saying, this actually has a lot to do with AI. Um, they, the studios want to take the ideas. Let's say I'm a writer. I'm in a writer's room. I create a bunch of ideas. They want to plug that into AI and then have AI generate more ideas off that, but not pay me for any of the ideas the AI generates. One of the things that came out that was really, really interesting to me is what they're trying to do with background actors. So basically extras. So they want to be able to, part of the contract is scan background actors for use in perpetuity. But then I, as the background actor, only get one day pay. No residuals. So if they use my face again in the future, I don't get anything off that either. And they get your image forever. So here we have me, uh, most background extras, actors, they want to be famous actors. I think that's pretty fair to say. Maybe they're out there just having a good time one day and they don't care. But a lot of those people are trying to get into the industry. They're trying to get in with other people who are into acting. They're trying to get producers, directors, whatever, to know them. They want to do a good job. Uh, the studio is saying like, oh, we're going to scan your face. And then if we need another scene in the future, we can use your face in that scene. But let's say I am the next Brad Pitt, the next Bradley Cooper. Uh, I'm starting my career and you have a scan of my face that you're allowed to use in perpetuity. But that means I quit. I don't get a job with your studio. I get famous working with a different studio. Your studio still technically owns my face. Now I'm famous. And you decide, well, let's make a movie using this guy's face. But they don't have to pay me for it. They don't even have to pay me for the right to use my face in a second project. So they use AI. They stick my face in another actor. That other actor does a terrible movie that I would never be involved in. They make that movie. Clearly, my face is on it, so they're selling it using my face. And that movie's terrible, so it damages my reputation. What happens now? Well, I've actually signed away my rights in perpetuity because I was a very poor background actor who needed like whatever, like the $200 I would have got that day for standing in a crowd scene. Now, a tiny percent of people will be successful, but that's what they're banking on. The percentage of actors who will be successful at some point in the future are going to be these extras in these background scenes. They still will own that face. There's also the secondary issue of the writers and then the AI learning that writer's style. So a Sam Raimi movie, let's say here, every script has the twist, but then the AI learns how to do a twist. We don't need Sam Raimi anymore. We start just generating scripts. I don't think that's going to be as successful as I think it'll be so so boring. Independent movies would actually get thing, get uh, like sort of more traction. But the problem is, the reality is these big budget movies are re- already kind of cookie cutter. Like Marvel films, hero films. I mean, 
there's no surprises in them really. Like if someone dies, that's the biggest surprise. And then they might just come back later. The AI can learn how to do that. That's problematic. Studios basically want you to work one day and then be able to plug that work, my face or my writing, into AI and have AI generate new things off that and give me no money. I actually did read about, um, there was this, I assume a writer, she had written a show about her life and she was shipping it around and Netflix wanted to pay her a million dollars, which sounds really good, but they wanted to own everything, which meant they could then take her story, plug it into AI, do spinoffs, take her writing style, make more shows, more episodes, use her face, take her face and put it into other things. And she refused in good honor. I mean, a million dollars is pretty hard to refuse, but it's nothing compared to the entirety of your career if you're successful. Now, I am I never going to be successful? That's fine, but I want to make sure that at the end of the day, I own everything I create. So this podcast, this face, the dog I got right here, it's all mine. If you want to use it, you need to pay me money to get it. And I think that's fair. And this is what actually a big part of what the strike is about. If you read the news recently, uh, they cut down, the studios cut down all the trees so that the strikers would have no shade. And of course, it's summer in California, making it really difficult. But it turns out they were like, oh, well, this is just like a routine thing. We have to cut down the, the, the trees a certain amount. We have to prune them every year. Turns out they did it the wrong season at the wrong time. Uh, they did it illegally. So, of course, they're going to have to pay fines, but those fines are going to be nothing. But really, this was just punitive to try to punish the people who are striking to make striking less comfortable for them, which just shows the level of shittiness uh, these companies are going to. There's a couple of studios in Japan, and they want to use AI to generate manga scripts. Manga already is one of these most abusive injury, uh, industries. They have... People work incredibly long hours making animation and drawing, and they get paid very little for it. If AI can do that, that's going to be hugely problematic. And already AI, uh, already anime is really formulaic. Sticking that into AI is just going to make it more formulaic, which means the good ones just, they're going to be flooded out with the, the absolute tons of crap that come with uh, AI-generated scripts and stories. So the most recent bit of news is the Italian courts have caused an uproar in Italy. Uh, and it's, they've decided that groping for less than 10 seconds isn't really groping. So this actual story is there was a high school girl. She was going upstairs and it says she was pulling up her pants. Now, I'm assuming they actually kind of mean adjusting her pants or, or you know, maybe they were loose pants and she was pulling them up. A janitor walked up behind her slid his hand down into her pants and then grabbing her underwear and lifting her up essentially giving her a wedgie uh he claims it was a joke now caressing her buttocks is pretty sexual but giving someone a wedgie i would actually say is not so it's a reasonable defense i don't believe it's true Let's just get out there really clear. Uh, I'm not on the janitor's side on this one. I think he should be punished for groping a high school girl. He says it was just a joke and it was so brief it couldn't be sexual. Well, the Italian court accepted that because it was less than 10 seconds to commit this act. It is no longer considered groping. I think they just let him go. Uh, what happened was an Italian comedian went on TikTok and started like going, uh, uh, uh. If I can find that, I'll, I'll plug it in, but I don't know enough Italian to maybe to type it in. 
with a 10 second countdown and then saying after the 10 seconds is over, if that wasn't grossly sexual, then I don't know what is. And this has started this huge trend on TikTok in Italy where everyone's groping themselves for less than 10 seconds, sort of in support of this poor girl who got groped. And then the interview of the girl is like, it's like, I, I do appreciate the amount of support I'm getting, but at the same time, uh, this is all very, very gross. And the last one is, is Shine's copyright infringement is so egregious that instead of just like going after and suing sort of, and again, they're using sub companies to do it. Instead of using those companies to go after them, they're using the United States RICO laws, which were designed to uh, catch organized crime who were using fraud and whatnot to, as the basis of their lawsuit. They're so aggressive, it's actually considered racketeering. Uh, it's called dishonest and fraudulent business dealings. So Shine has grown rich committing individual infringements over and over again. They actually basically have a system where what they do is they'll have a company. That company steals a designer's picture and then they'll put it on clothing or a t-shirt or something. They will steal clothes from other designers and producers and they will throw it into their systems. These sub companies do the theft and then feed it up into the Shine system because it has to have so many sub companies. Even if they sued the sub company, they're not actually suing Shine. Shine could just say, well, we're gonna shut down that company, start a new company tomorrow, and it won't actually damage our business at all. They produce 6,000 new items a day using multiple companies to rip off artists and designers. Uh, three companies directly have accused Shine of ripping off their designs, be it like uh, art, or the actual design of their clothing. Shine said, we will vigorously defend ourselves against this lawsuit and any claims that are without merit. If you actually dig down into that sentence a little bit, you get a little, a little interesting thing. We will vigorously defend ourselves against this lawsuit. So we're being sued by these three companies, we're gonna defend ourselves, and any claims that are without merit. So any claim that is without merit, we will defend ourselves against and this lawsuit. So what they are inadvertently saying is that this lawsuit has merit, uh, which I don't think is what they mean to say, but it is what they actually said. Shine is trying to go public this year. Uh, the RICO act being used against them, I'm pretty sure is going to make it so that they can't go public this year, which is really, really good. I didn't know about Shine until very recently. I, I read the news about the TikTok influencers going to the, being paid to go to the Shine factory and just go, oh, oh, this is so wonderful. It's all so clean. It's all so modern. All the workers look so happy. Uh, they are also being accused of having factories where they have like essentially sweatshops. Uh, what is it? The Uyghur people in China, uh, they're being focused for abuse. So Shine seems to be really abusing all the laws and then using everything it can do to get people to shine that turd for them so it doesn't look as bad as it is. There are accusations of forced labor. So I, I guess that's just sweatshops. We know in China, forced labor. I mean, it could be if you don't hit a quota, you die. It's important to know the laws in different countries. So the Canadian laws sort of introduce a sense of some of the differences in how law is handled in Canada, which may have an influence on other countries. We always get our law from essentially American media. And that 
gives us a, a weird view of how the law works because in America, specifically, they talk about individual rights. Individual rights take the forefront in American law quite often. And I've actually found it one of the reasons why America is so sort of lawsuit happy, sue happy. And it's because if I have individual rights and you have individual rights, those cannot exist in the same space without there being some kind of conflict, unless we agree perfectly on everything. But if I have my individual rights are the most important thing and your individual rights are the most important thing, then they cannot exist. So the protections of individual rights in America causes a lot of the problems because this is the easiest way to be like you have a conservative and a Democrat and they are in the same space. Well, if my individual rights are the most important thing, then you must be inherently wrong because you don't agree with me and vice versa. So that causes an escalation of conflict because you've been taught your whole life that what you believe is the most important thing. Canada's rules actually protect groups. There are rights to personal liberties to a degree. But the actual individual doesn't take precedence over the group. So that makes it much harder to have the same attitude as a Canadian citizen. Uh, you can see like this malicious compliance of paying back uh, money in coins. They put a limit on that. Yeah, you can try to be a dick, but you can only be so much of a dick because you're going to be inhibiting another person's business if you're too much of a dick. The writer's strike actually plays into the thumbs up emoji as well. The thumbs up emoji is a new way of saying, I agree. I agree to this contract. It is now legally binding in Canada, specifically in Saskatchewan, but I bet other courts in Canada follow suit. What the studios in America are trying to do is say, we want to take something from you, your face, your writing, your art, and hold on to that aspect in perpetuity, never pay you again. But if you get famous, if you get popular, we use that with AI to create new products that we profit off of that you get nothing from. So basically they could take all these podcasts, put them into AI and learn how to write an Engineers Japan episode, a C McBee episode. And then if I get popular and they had paid me that money in the past, they could make new spinoffs uh, Italian News Japan, American News Japan, uh, not uh, Ninja News Italy. I, we have to be, okay, so we have Ninja News Japan. I'm just doing this joke on the fly is impossible. I have to actually go back and riff it a bit. We have Ninja News Japan. So we want to have um, Pizza News America, because it has to be cliche. Hamburger News America. That doesn't work because then I can't use Pizza News Italy as well. I'm going to have to go back. I can't do it right now. I would have to go away, write some vaguely racist things, some stereotypes from the different countries, and then news in that country. But they could do with AI a spinoff in Ninja News Japan that do, does all these things. They could do a spinoff of C. McBee that uses this writing style talking about different topics and then make a, a purely anime-oriented channel using my style of speaking, doing a purely uh, news-related style linking all these stories together. AI could put that together. They could use AI to generate a million Daves and make it a movie. And it would be the best movie in the world. But then I wouldn't get any money back. Dave wouldn't get any money back. Dave needs his million dollars. I need my million dollars. 
That's just how it works. So be afraid of big corporations like Shine, of companies wanting to use your image, your art, your creations in perpetuity like the studios. And be careful about new technology, not just AI, but how you use new technology because that could actually end up you agreeing to a contract that you don't necessarily intend to agree to.